Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Joining us on the line, brilliant columnist. For the Philadelphia Inquirer, Inquirer.com, Marcus Hayes. Good evening, Marcus. What's going on, JJ? Uh, Marcus, I another superb column indeed. Very thought-provoking, and um, uh, you, you certainly didn't back down on how you feel about the situation. You know, let me let, let me just lead right into it, Marcus. So, um, the Carson Wentz trade to Indianapolis, uh, a third-round pick, uh, a second-round conditional pick that can turn into a first in exchange for Carson Wentz. Marcus, good deal, bad deal for the Eagles. The worst deal in Philadelphia sports history, <laughs> and it's not really close. Please, go I on. Mean, if, if you think Carson Wentz can be it's even a good starting quarterback, the 10th best quarterback in the NFL, then this is a horrible deal because you would gladly trade, you know, a first, a conditional first and a third to get a starter. I mean, those are the kind of guys that get paid about $25 million, and that's his salary next year. Mm-hmm. So it, it, that's that's worth at least two first-round picks, if you think he can be that guy. Furthermore, the Eagles paid him $40 million in advance in this current contract. The contract doesn't take effect until this coming season. So he effectively forced his way out of town with $40 million of advanced money in his pocket. And they're going to have to count him $34 million against this year's salary cap, which is about how much he'd count about against this year's salary cap had he stayed, except if you think he's, re- he's fixable, if you think he's reclaimable, he's worth $34 million against your salary cap. Right. But instead you're getting nothing. Right. And the thing that I can't get my head around is why more Philadelphians, more Eagles fans aren't upset with Carson Wentz. Because the Eagles did not want to trade him, he wanted to be traded. Yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And you know, as you're describing it, it's more than a 34 million dollar dead cap hit, dead cap hit, which is the largest in NFL history. It's really, uh, you know, it's 74 million dollars, as you're pointing out with that when you know with that contract. So, I, Marcus, and not ha- only that, not mm-hmm. only that, you don't have a starting quarterback. Yeah, that's the that's the thing. You 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 invest. 
invested all of this resource, including the draft picks it took to keep him here, the $80 million total you've paid him already, plus the $34 million in cap hit, and you don't really have a starting quarterback. Now, I think Jalen Hurts can be a starting quarterback in the NFL, and a good one maybe in a year or two. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe he's further ahead. But you don't have a quarterback. Mm-hmm. I mean, this sort of betrayal to the team and to the city is unprecedented. And what they got back in return, it's a joke. Well, Marcus, what we've been all trying to figure out, where did it all go downhill? Like, where did this begin? I, I mean, as you're pointing out, I, this is unprecedented. I, to go from where we thought we were to where we are in present day, I, I've never seen anything like this. Um, my opinion, mm-hmm. it, it all went downhill when Doug Peterson made the decision in 2018 to put Carson Wentz back on the bench because of his back injury. Hmm. I think Wentz wanted to continue to play. I think it went further downhill in 2019 when Doug Peterson wasn't effusive every weekend about Carson Wentz, who played, in my opinion, played very well in 2019 because of the deficits he had around him. I thought he played pretty darn well. And, and of course, when they drafted Jalen Hurts, I don't think anyone could foresee Carson Wentz being this mentally weak, this this soft, this, um, I, I guess, just inexplicably offended by a guy who wasn't brought in to be his competition. He was brought in to be the emergency backup in case Carson Wentz got hurt again. And, you know, we've seen Brett Favre. We've seen Aaron Rodgers. We've seen Donovan McNabb. We've seen uh, Aaron Rodgers this year Mm -hmm. thrive when teams have acquired and and spent draft capital on – their backup, or maybe they're even their future replacement. All those guys went to Pro Bowls after this. Carson had the worst season, the, the worst drop-off of any quarterback in NFL history. And you know the way you're describing everything that went wrong, based on your opinion, and I combine what, you, what you're saying with your colleagues Mike Sealski and Jeff McClain and many others, you know, this Carson Wentz and his tenure with the Eagles screams to me of a spoiled, rotten, immature athlete who was really silver-spooned and you know, took his ball and left at the first real hurdle that was presented to him. Is that a fair assessment? I would say that's that's accurate. And, you know, to, to amend what I said before about where it all went wrong, the, Carson Wentz's behavior as the person you just described began at, after he got hurt in the 2017 season. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, and, and I've written this and I've said this, and I said this during a meeting in 2018 before the season started at, at, our, at our place of business. People around the team were aghast at how dismissive he became of every person in the organization hmm. because he believed that the organization was his at that point. Hmm. Interesting. Now, one of the many reasons you should not only be reading Marcus Hayes uh, each and every day at Inquirer.com, but also following him on Twitter, it's at InkStainWretched, you need to follow him for the remarks. Uh, you haven't written about this yet as far as I know, Marcus, but uh, Wentz's uh, goodbye post uh, to the Eagles and to Philadelphia, that didn't sit particularly well with you, did it? Well, you know, I, I think people don't understand this about me. I don't care if the teams win or lose. I don't care if Carson Wentz stays or goes. I really don't. I'm objective about it. It doesn't matter to me. I'm not a fan of any of the teams or any of the players. But it's my job to objectively make judgments about 
the things they do, how they play, and the things they say. So it didn't not sit well with me. I just I just don't believe that Carson Wentz believes the things he said mm. because it, it's 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 presented as some sort of amicable divorce, and it's not. He forced his way out of town. Yeah. It's so incredibly gallingly hypocritical. And you know, if you if you don't read that and think what, then I can't help you. <laughs> I mean, I just can't help you. The team didn't want to trade him, and he's acting like. This is a great day for everybody. Right. I'm j- I'm sorry. It's just it's it's just absurd. It's beyond absurd. It feels like we're still involved with the last administration. You know, it's like <laughs> Kaylee Johnson is still giving us press conference press press conference. Yeah. So, Marcus, I'm sure that, you know, you or one of your colleagues will be writing about this in the not-too-distant future. You know, when we look back on the Carson Wentz tenure of of Eagles football, what will we say about uh, about Wentz? Well, I've already written – I wrote, you know, when he was on the trading block and the trade seemed eminent, but not necessarily certain, but eminent, that he should be considered the greatest villain in the history of Philadelphia sports because of – the fact that he he forced the team to trade him for nothing and took tons of money and wanted out and wanted to leave the city and the team hanging after a horrible season. You know, you can talk all you like about, you know, bad deals, bad ideas. You know, Andrew Bynum was a bad idea. The Barkley trade was a bad idea. Moses Malone was a bad idea. There lots of bad trades. But none of those trades left the team crippled for years to come. And none of the none of those trades were uh, forced by none of the none of the guys who forced their way out of town forced their way out of town. Number one, off the worst season imaginable, and number two, um, telegraphed it so the team was not able to get decent value for them. That's the other thing that it, Carson torpedoed his own value by his play and by letting the world know that he wanted to go elsewhere. Right. Uh, so, uh, Marcus, moving forward, Eagles fans have been very lucky. They've gone about two decades where the lean years have been few and far between, but their biggest fear right now is not only just a lean a season coming up, but multiple seasons, and they feel they are doomed as long as Howie Roseman is the general manager. Um, I mean, should they feel that way? You know, it's funny. Uh, I'm not a huge Roseman advocate. As a matter of fact, I fired him after the 2016 season. I thought <laughs> Doug was a bad coaching hire, and I thought Howie made a lot of mistakes on the uh, in building the roster. And, you know, he did a great job in 2017 acquiring veterans, but as we see three years down the road, he didn't do a very good job drafting. All that said, the, the combination of Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman and Andy Reid and whoever else you want to throw in there. Yeah, I mean, you had two bad years, two really bad years, in in my estimation, since, you know, really since uh, Ray Rhodes was uh, in his last season. Ray Rhodes' last season, and then 4-11 and 1. Um, that's not bad. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you can be doom and gloom, and you can say Howie's horrible and all that sort of stuff, but Howie has presided over better than mediocrity, and one big hit. Jeffrey has presided over a very, very successful organization over the last 25 years. You know, they're not the greatest organization, and Howie makes mistakes, Jeffrey makes mistakes, but they generally hire pretty good coaches. They generally 
get things right when, as it comes to, as, as as it pertains to building a roster. And uh, you know, my my contention is, you know, people aren't going to want to hear this. I believe Howie has actually been too collaborative over the last three or four years, huh. in that you know these a lot of the moves that have been made, I think, were influenced by Jeffrey. And I think a lot of the moves that that have been made were influenced by the by front office people who aren't necessarily as credentialed as even Howie. Hmm. You know, I'd like to see how I'd like to see Howie in a two or three year period make all the decisions autonomously and see how good he is or isn't. You know, and yeah. I, if you argue that he's not good, fine. Remember, I fired him after 2016. <laughs> I don't think he's particularly good, but that doesn't mean he couldn't get better, and that doesn't mean that you know a lot of the decisions that he made going into 2000. Uh, going into 2017 chip kelly aside turned out to be pretty good decision yeah final perfect and you know the the glaring first round misses are what they are but he seems to at least have an eye for veteran talent yeah oh god i I mean i hope you're right uh final question i have for you marcus and this is something that um uh we would uh, something we would certainly be talking about in person you know prior to covid sitting at the wells fargo center prior to a 76ers game I'm just curious your thoughts on what we are seeing from Joel Embiid. Does he have a legit shot to be MVP? You know, Joel addressed this after last night's game. And he said, look, it's not coaching and it's not teammates and it's not chemistry. It's me. I turned a corner. I'm a more complete player now. And I think we forget sometimes, and I'm guilty of it as, any, as guilty of it as anyone else, uh, that these guys, not only are they young when they get to the NBA, but in Joel Embiid's case, he's only been playing basketball for nine years. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a 13-year-old daughter who's been playing basketball for nine years. So, you know, he's and he's better than her, but, you know, not much. Um, <laughs> my, my point is, he had a long way to go. I mean, I don't know if you were there. I think, I think you might have been at practice the day that I pointed out to somebody in his second season that Joel Embiid couldn't get from one side of the rim to the other side against air without traveling. Right. You know, he mm-hmm. was not not a horrible athlete. He was a ridiculously horrible player. Right. I mean, he was a non-basketball player two years into – well, not even two years, four years into his NBA career, but two years into actually playing. So we forget – you know, we forget that Ben Simmons, you know, wasn't a natural point guard. You know, isn't, wasn't, probably never will be. But considering what he's asked to do and what he's done in the past, he's a really good player. But to answer your question, absolutely. My, my only issue with Joel's candidacy for MVP is that he's got to play more often. Yeah. And if he can't play, he can't play. That's fine. But you don't win MVP playing, you know, you know 60, 65 games of an 82-game schedule or, you know, 20% of however many games they want to play in this year. You just don't. You, the most valuable player has to play almost every night and lead his team almost every night. Mm-hmm. And when he plays, he leads his team. It's really fun to watch. I've always been – I was fortunate enough in, uh, I guess it was 2014, 2013-14, to be assigned to go see Andrew Wiggins play in Kansas. Hmm. Um, I was out there doing an Andy Reid story, as a matter of fact. So I went there, and I saw Joel Embiid. And Joel Embiid was coming off the bench at this point. And Andrew Wiggins was a wonderful athlete and a pretty good basketball player. But you could tell then that Joel Embiid, you know, if he continued to play basketball and, you know, continued to grow, was a really special player. You couldn't tell that he was going to be, you know, this sort of Hall of Fame perennial MVP candidate. 
you could tell he was a really special player. And I was really intrigued when the Sixers drafted him in 2014. And I was the guy who asked uh, Bill Self, the Kansas coach who was at the draft that night because of Wiggins and Embiid, you know, do you see Hakeem Olajuwon in him? And he said, absolutely. (laughs) Amazing. Uh, Marcus Hayes does a brilliant job, brilliant columnist for the Philadelphia Inquirer. For links to all his stories, uh, I advise you follow him on Twitter if you don't already, at InkStainedRetch. Marcus, thanks, man. I appreciate it. My pleasure, John. Have a good night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.